One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. In a world where very few people embrace their global identity, and seek to understand their neighbors. Cross-cultural expert Tayo Roxon is on a mission to bridge this divide. Each week, he'll open your mind with insights from some of the global minds in the world. Get ready, take some notes, and learn how to be the best you that you can be. Welcome everybody to another episode of As Told by Nomads, and today's episode is with Scott Love. Scott is a credentialed expert on the topic of employee loyalty with over two decades of high-level headhunting experience. With empirical research based on tens of thousands of conversations with professionals, he gives managers the secrets of keeping high performers and keeping them happy. As a former Navy leadership trainer and Annapolis graduate, it gives managers ideas on how to increase employee retention, boost morale and performance, and attract high achievers. So I'm pretty excited to talk to him today about his newest book, Why They Follow, and How to Lead with Positive Influence. Welcome to the show, Scott. Thanks, Tayo. I'm excited to be here, my friend. Pleasure is mine. And, um, you know, I was reading your bio, and I obviously love talking about workplace uh, loyalty because it's part of what I do with with my uh, consultancy, but I'm very very curious as to what what got you here because I read that you were in the Navy and then you've done leadership training. Well, what led down the path for you to help managers? Uh, yeah, well, it it all started in Boy Scouts. I was in Scouts and I learned at a young age that you have to lead in a way that people will willingly follow. And in scouting, it's pure level leadership. If you're a jerk to your friends, well, you might get the job done, but nobody's going to invite you to the pool party on the weekends, right? <laughs> and so – and then going to Annapolis, every day I heard that you've got to take care of your people. It's not about your own personal career. It's not about how far you advance. It's about getting the job done and serving the sailors that work in your command. And then in the corporate world, well, you don't have – the authority that a lot of people have in the military because you could use your rank, but they can also turn their notice in and go to your biggest competitor. Right. So for the last 22 years, Tayo, I've been doing high stakes headhunting. I recruit partners for international law firms in New York and Washington, and I've recruited in different corporate niches also. And so I've had literally tens of thousands of conversations with managers trying to recruit them. Are you open to hearing about other things? No, I'm not. Why is that? Well, I don't care how good the opportunity is. I love it here. And every time someone would tell me, and I'd, and I'd ask them, what is it that is causing you to say no to something that could be potentially more lucrative? And it's always an emotional context. I love it here. That's what they'd usually tell me. And it always was tied back to the boss directly above them. 
usually it's that personal mentorship by their immediate boss, that that's the glue. And so as I started thinking about this with my book, Why They Follow, I wanted to write something that would show managers how to become that boss. And so kind of tying all that in with my leadership training when I was a leadership trainer on active duty and with the, the things I've seen in the corporate world, which is based on, like I mentioned, so many conversations, firsthand data. I wanted to give managers something that would make it a lot easier and give it to them in a format of a book that's easy to read. You can read it on, on, a, on a flight or in a weekend that's going to give them tactical ideas and also give it to them in a way that's going to make it positive because nobody wants to work for a boss that's a jerk. Everybody wants to work for a place where they feel fulfilled. And I know that in your practice, you talk a lot about that diversity and that culture yeah. that has yeah. to lift people up. Yeah. And that's, you know, because people got options. Mm -hmm. They can go somewhere else. And just the culture and just the hundreds of programs that you've done on this, you know it firsthand also, Tyler. Yeah. No, absolutely. And I love exactly what you said. Uh, I, I believe on your website you say, I show managers how to be the boss that nobody wants to leave. And if you leave, right. they, will, they will stay. So what, why do you feel like, you know, because I'm, I'm in these offices too, and a lot of times, you know, whether, whether they're dealing with my generation, millennials or, or younger, mm -hmm. they're worried about the retention rates. And then right. how to stay. And sometimes it says, oh, you millennials don't like to do the work. You're all entitled. So I'm yeah. curious. Yeah. To, Get her hair cut and stay off my lawn. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I'm, <laughs> Kids I'm, these days. I'm curious. Kids to, these days. I know. I, well, well, what are you going to do? But I'm curious as to what you think about flexibility. <laughs> do you think flexibility um, plays a good role in – flexibility and mentorship plays a good role in retaining a uh, younger generation? I think it does kind of talking about flexibility. People want to have control and that's at the end of the day, that's what people truly want, especially people that are in your generation. They want to have control over where they're going, where they work and who they work with and anything you can do that gives them that sense of control. And there can be limits to that. And some of it can be something that you negotiate. You can say, we'll give you, we'll give you flexibility in this area, but we're not going to be able to give it to you over here. That can be a negotiation. I think that's important. I think uh, more than anything, and just in reading the work that you've done, people need to have a mission. They need to have a personal goal that can be fulfilled in the workplace. I think that's really where it's going to motivate people at the highest level. What Abraham Maslow calls self-actualization, giving people a chance to do work that, that fulfills some sort of a noble goal, a calling for them. That's where you're going to find people that really we're going to stay are going to stay with the company for a very long time. Absolutely, absolutely. And Boy Scout to the Navy and to now workplace, workplace expert. Mm -hmm. What, what is the number one mistake that leaders make at the top? It's taking their eyes off of the goal. I'd, I'd say there's two of them. Taking their eyes off the goal of the mission. We've got to accomplish the mission. Mm. And then also putting too much of a focus on themselves. Anytime there is a leader, that shines the spotlight on himself. I'm the CEO of this company. Look at me. It's all about me. They're going to lose followers. Even if we know that I agree with you on where you're going, if you're too much of an egomaniac and if it's all about you, nobody's going to follow that person. So I think those are the, the two biggest mistakes. They just forget what the mission of the company is and they put too much of themselves into it. And, and this is something that I'll tell managers when I give a presentation uh, at, at a conference because I do a lot of speaking also. I'll tell them it's not about you. It's about the people that, the people that come to work every day. They come to work for themselves. Uh, they leave every day and the emotions from work go home with them at night. When they come to work in the morning, the, motion, the emotions from home 
follow them to work during the day. And the same person all the time. I mean, you have to realize that, that you need to be the kind of leader that's going to leave people at the end of the day feeling uplifted. And, and this is something I learned, Tayo. I had a chance to interview a retired four-star Marine general. His name was Walt Boomer, who later became a CEO of a company in Connecticut called Rogers Corporation. And I interviewed him on the concept of mission accomplishment versus taking care of your people. Because every day at the Naval Academy, we were taught to take care of your people, take care of your people. And so I asked him, I said, what's more important, Walt? Is it accomplishing the mission or is it taking care of your people? And he said, that's a good question. Let me think about that. Because for Marines, it's all about mission uh, mission accomplishment. And he said, you need to focus on taking care of your people. As long as you have the right people in place, they will accomplish the mission. So I think a manager that loses sight of accomplishing that mission by focusing too much on himself, that that manager is going to find that his company is going to decrease in headcount. People are going to be more receptive to headhunter calls because they have options and they can go anywhere just by turning in their notice. And all of those problems are solved because there are good, well-managed companies out there that pay attention to the emotional context at work. And when people come to work every day, like I said, they come to work for themselves. They want to have that positive connection emotionally with the work that they do and the team and the team that they're on. Wow. No, I, I think it's, you know, I love the focus of his interview and we've already gotten started. And a lot of what you've said has just been reminding yourself that there should be a mission, you know, taking the focus of yourself and understanding that it's the people that you serve. And I think a lot of times right. when we're working with leaders, it's, when you're looking for that connection, no matter what generation or what what uh, um, race orientation the person is, is if you can remember that you, whenever you were trying to attract them, you talked about the benefits they were going to get. And then right. you can't stop uh, benefiting or showing them or creating that environment that really shows why they chose you in the first place. You can't actually just stop doing that because you've got them there because then how are you going to retain them? So um, That's right. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and, yeah. and here's here's a tip here's a tip for managers kind of a tactical nugget for them uh, and, and I'll give you a real life example I have a candidate right now that's interested in a certain client and the client emailed me they said we're interested in your candidate let's go to the next step and I thought well that's good but I want to get more specific so I reached out to the managing partner and I said tell me what you think about this candidate and tell me how you think this candidate is going to benefit and how your firm is going to benefit by this candidate and he got more specific and he said, I'm, I'm excited about this candidate because of this, this and this. And I appreciated him for getting me that data because I told him, I said, everybody wants to be wanted. So I told the candidate, it would have been one thing for me to say they want to go to the next step. But I told him they want to go to the next step. And this is why. And this is how they feel about you. They're very excited about you. And they see that you can accomplish great things and you can actually improve the condition of this firm because of the gap that they have. So I think when a manager looks at hiring someone, it's not just you're going to do a good job. You need to be aware of what are the emotions? What are the feelings that this person is feeling right now about joining your company? And it's okay to talk about that. We're excited about you. You can use words like that. We're excited about you. We can't wait for you to start. And here's, here's another tip I'll give for people that are in a management role. I always look at the the concept of Joseph Campbell's, the hero's journey. Are you familiar with Joseph Campbell? Have you ever heard of him before? Yeah, yeah, yeah. but people people in the audience might not know. So, I'll, yeah, I'd love you to talk about. Okay, it. yeah. 
Well, well, back in the 80s, back when I was in college, I know, during the Cold War, back when Reagan was president, I'm, I'm 50. He doesn't look 50. Thank you for that. But anyway, <laughs> there was, a, there was a, a PBS documentary called uh, The Power of Myth. It was Bill Moyers, a journalist. He interviewed Joseph Campbell. And Joseph Campbell was a, pro- a professor of mythology. And he talked about how myth, mythology is everywhere, that some of those stories that we hear they just feel so good to hear them because they go back into our deep psyche of what's truly important to us as human beings. And he, and he talks about the concept of the hero's journey, that you have a hero, the protagonist, that falls into a pit. And in that pit, in the midst of his despair, he finds a sage that helps him, who gives him a magical device that brings him through the pit where he finds a band of followers. And together, they achieve their goal and they grow through the process. Think of Luke Skywalker in Star Wars. That's the story. And that's the, that's the common theme that we see of a lot of great stories. So I use that concept in recruiting people. And this is something if a manager is looking to recruit people, this is what you do. You talk about, this is the gap. This is the problem that we have within our company. Right now, we are experiencing this particular problem because we don't have someone like you. If you join our company, you can help us to solve that problem and to achieve that goal, and this is how you would benefit as a result. Because I really believe that people that are performing at a high level in life, they get motivated by something that contributes to a greater goal. Absolutely. And we all like to be a part of something greater than ourselves. Like you're a solo practitioner, I'm a solo practitioner, but I enjoy groups like National Speakers Association, like Rotary International, where I'm involved in a group that has a mission to do good things where it gives me no personal benefit, but it just feels good to make that sort of contribution. So I think the people that are achieving at a high level, that is going to resonate with them. And, and if you think about that, it goes back to the emotions, to the emotions that we feel about joining a company or leaving a company or doing the work at the company that we're, in, that, that we're with. That's what it's really all about, Tayo. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely love that. And it, it you know, there's – it's it's funny as we're saying these these are some of the the you know simple steps to take there, but things that sound um, easy rather are not simple to do. Yeah, uh, I should say that. that's right. Things that sound easy are not simple to do, and it it really does have to come from the top. You have to be willing to change the culture. I you know twentieth century methods don't work in a twenty first century. You know if yeah if, if you're looking at the S and P five hundred, the companies are continuously changing. It's not the same legacy companies that used to be there, and if we don't adapt to the fact that we're in a globalized age and a digitalized age, you know, regardless of how uncomfortable the change might be, it, it's, you know, dying, you know, it's just going to go away. You're going to go into this extinct mode. And um, I, I really appreciate the fact that you're bringing that. I want to talk to you about companies that we see today, a lot of mistakes. So we, we've seen mm-hmm. in the last three months alone, we've seen Uber, Pepsi, mm-hmm. um, and and um, uh, I forget the other. There was another company I can't remember. But let's just focus on Uber and Pepsi. Uber's case mm-hmm. is so interesting to me because it, one, it's a newer company. But as you dig in and you hear all these stories, it doesn't seem like these these things are stopping. It starts with a sexual harassment, and it starts with a mistreatment of people, and then you just continue to dig in, and you see that this culture has actually started from the beginning. And that got me thinking about the importance of leadership from you know from the very very start. It doesn't matter when you start experiencing that rapid growth as a startup. You know, if you neglect what a workplace culture is, it will always come down to, to bite you in the back. And I'm curious, 
in your in your opinion, as you're working with some of these companies and startups, do you find that leadership training should start from the beginning, even if they're making like $20 million in the first year? I think so. I think you're absolutely right. The culture does start at the top. And I think it's important for a management team or the executive committee, whoever it is that's really calling the shots, to come together and to clearly define this is our vision, these are our values, and this is our mission. And this, and you're absolutely right. It's simple. It's a, it's a simple concept. And that's one of the things I find that when I speak at conferences, I'm not a management consultant. I don't have a PhD. I keep it simple, but it's common sense. And it makes sense and it works. Because if we try to uh, complexify it, if that's, a, if that's a real word, word, if we try to make it too complex, nobody's going to stay with it. It has to be simple. So let's go back to the core. Values, vision, and mission. If a management team doesn't articulate that, and if they don't choose to live by this code that they said they were going to follow, now they're incongruent. And people despise incongruent leadership. I'd rather work for a leader that's a jerk that says he's a jerk and tells people he's a jerk. Because I know what I'm going to get. If I work for a company where respect is one of their core values – But if they tolerate sexual harassment, if they look the other way when things happen, they berate people in front of their colleagues. Well, they're not giving them respect. And I think that's what you see in our nation on so many levels, uh, business, politics, all that. It's just that disconnect. That's not the value system that we follow as an organization. And so that's what causes that rift, that disruption. Uh, People won't go for that. If you look at a wolf pack, the chief wolf, the alpha has to be a leader that serves the pack. And if the wolf is too aggressive, if he's not fair, they kill him. They will kill the alpha if it's an unsuccessful leader, if it's too selfish, if it doesn't take care of the pack. Uh, you know, In the United States, we'll have CEOs that get litigation or that, that they get the board gets together and the board votes them out. Uh, it, it will come back to you. If you lead in a way that doesn't lift people's spirits, uh, there will be a consequence, and you're eventually going to get found out. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I, yeah, I think it, I think it's fascinating, and you're right. It's not just something that we can do that you know stays with the workplace. It actually extrapolates to the work, uh, to the politics, to the political arena, to the education system. You start in the, mm-hmm. in, in the Boy Scout. I am someone that grew up. Initially in the military dictatorship, so the first nine years of my life was in the military dictatorship. Oh, wow. yeah, I'm, wow. I'm, I'm from I'm from Nigeria, and Nigeria is where I call home. I love I love Nigeria, and a lot of you know, initially my first experience as with leadership was that, and then when I finally started moving around because of my dad's job as a diplomat, it was very interesting to me to see how different leaders, you know, treated wow. their constituency, and this is part of what planted that seed in me to want to help people communicate across cultures, but. The thing that I noticed from moving to a dictatorship and watching us transition into a, a civilian government and then going to other civilian governments and, and seeing different methods is, you know, people that are campaigning, what they usually tap onto, whether it's, it's, it's to get votes, is either fear mongering, one, that's mm-hmm. another way, or really mm-hmm. talking to the key issues that a constituency wants. And I found that both ways work in interesting ways. It's, it's either if you give someone a reason to blame or something, something to blame, whether it's nationalism or whatever, and say, these are the causes of all your problems, or you tell them some hopeful message that, uh, right. hey, I'm, you know, 
I've seen this. I've been one of you. Now I'm going to show you how we can get out of this. And I've always been so fascinated by how leadership can work on both sides of the same coins. And it can be really, really dangerous <laughs> um, or, or really, really beneficial. And I, I don't know. I, I guess my question to you as a leadership expert is to so how do we make sure we don't fall into the trap of getting um, entranced by propaganda? I think by being aware, by having a system that allows for communication and to have people in a position that can take action on that. And, and whether we're talking about a company. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Or the United States, you know, the current political landscape, it all goes back to looking at what our values are. What does the Constitution say? What is that North Star that doesn't change, that's our consistent compass that we're going to go to in times of trouble? And that's why I think an organization has to define what are our values, visions, and mission. Let's get clear on who we are and what our goals are and where we're going and what is it that motivates us. That's why I know that some of the podcasts that you've done talking about culture, how important that is. Oh, man, sure. That an executive has to understand, and they, and they can shift that culture. Then the culture, I, I like to define it is that collection of principles and premises, the thoughts that we have through which we take action? And what are those common thoughts, those the common values, vision, and mission that we have together? So yeah, I think I think that's um, certainly an important part that an executive has to consider within their company. Wow, that's that's uh, awareness, situation awareness, and self awareness are yeah, yeah. yeah for for the for the key because you have to know. You know your level of awareness as well as you know the the area around you in uh, in essence for you to actually mm-hmm. do really really well. Okay, so okay now if if we've talked about leadership for now and we've talked about employees, I'm very very curious as to why you uh, you named your book what you did, why they follow, how they lead, oh. positive influence. Yeah, sure, and and to kind of go back, I use game theory. I use mm. game theory in my business decisions. And I used to be a professional card counting blackjack player years ago. Two of the uh, two of the guys that were on the MIT blackjack team that the movie uh, Twenty One was based on, and the book Bringing Down the House was based on, they were clients of mine. And I said, "Listen, I won't charge you for consulting if you help me with my game." So for about a year and a half, that was a side business. So I've been kicked out of casinos. I've been banned from casinos. And it's interesting when I give presentations, <laughs> I talk about this. And I talk about how I've never, I'll never forget the first time I was ever kicked out of a casino. And I talk about the story of game theory 
and how we can use game theory to make decisions. There's always going to be a trend. If we understand the trends, then we can hedge our bets. We can put our money on the felt when the odds are most favorable for us. And if the count is low, then we don't bet. We only bet in proportion to the count. So I, I spend time kind of talking about that, and, and it's really a lot of fun because it gets people engaged. And I tell them how with people, we're going to use game theory as well. We're going to use the predictable nature that we have as people, the psychology. We're going to put our money on the felt. We're going to bet. We're going to take action in a way that gives us a higher return. So if we want our people to do something, and this is what management and even sales is all about, it's all about influence. How can I get you to do what I want you to do in a way that you thank me for doing it? <laughs> you know, in a way for you thank me for talking you into it. So when I address people that are in sales, I'll say, if you think about what your job really is, is to get people to separate, you're separating them from their money. You want them to give you their money. That's what we're trying to do. Well, there has to be an exchange of value. And then I walk them through the process of how do you ask questions in a way that determine what the pain points are? How do you ask questions in a way so that you know what exactly it is that they want? And then you can make your presentation. Same thing with managers. Instead of teaching people how to lead in a way that we don't know what the result is going to be, I start with the result. Game theory. What is the result that we want? We want people to follow. So let's find out why they follow. Now, why don't you lead based on what motivates people to choose to follow? And one example of that, is, Tayo, is what I call the response ratio. That you can give a directive to an employee and they have a choice in what sort of energy they're going to expend to accomplish that task. If you use just your authority, because I'm the boss of you, I'm telling you to do something. On a scale of one to 10, 10 meaning they're going to respond with the most enthusiasm and the most heart and the most grit to get the job done, that's a 10. Because of authority, because you're the boss, I'm gonna give you a one. But if they see the kind of person that you are as a leader, if they know that you have made deposits into the emotional bank account of the organization, and into the hearts of the employees. Well, now you have a reservoir from, from which you can withdraw. Yeah. And they're, go they're going to respond on a scale of one to 10. They're going to respond with a 10. So that's why I really titled the book that way. I want to get right to the point. Let's look at why people follow and show you how you can lead with positive influence to get people to respond. Yeah, yeah. No, and for those listening, ladies and gentlemen, I, I did go through the book. It's pretty, pretty fascinating. My favorite things are your stories. So, uh, you know, and they're pretty engaging. So I, I wonder if, if you could share some of your, your favorite stories and why you thought that, you know, they would be good to include in the book. I think one of them was, and I, and I appreciate that because I, I write from the heart. I, I try to tell stories because that's what's really going to get people to change. They're going to remember the story more than the three things you need to do to do this. And uh, when I do presentations, I tell a lot of stories and I use I, stand up comedy as a hobby of mine. So I use a lot of humor in my presentations <laughs> just to make it just to make it, it fun and interesting. Right. But I keep it rated G. I keep it rated G. So, so one of the uh, stories I talked about was a relative of mine. He, he was passing. It was my son's great grandfather, who was probably in his 90s. And this was in a hospice home in Phoenix, Arizona. And after he passed, it was a bittersweet time for the whole family. I walked outside and immediately next to the hospice home was a Montessori school. And when I, when I walked outside, the children, it was recess. They were running outside. They were screaming and yelling. And my first thought, Tayo, was 
how dare they? How dare the management of that school and the teachers let these children be so noisy? Don't they know that there's people grieving over here in this hospice home? And then I looked around the hospice home, Ty, and I noticed windows were open facing the school. The guests of the hospice home that could move around, they were outside sitting in their porches, just sitting there listening to the children laughing and playing. And then I realized either through divine intervention or really bad zoning laws, <laughs> there, there was this symbiotic relationship of healing. And that was a lesson that sometimes we don't know how much of an impact we have on other people. As a manager, you're always being observed. As a leader, people are always looking at you for cues on how should we respond. They're always paying attention. So when they see that you interrupted an employee in mid-sentence as she was giving you an idea, when they watch that you're going to roll your eyes when somebody's talking about something, when you discount an idea, when they see that you're talking about one of their colleagues behind their back, they're going to remember that. They're going to tuck that away. And when it comes time for them to give you a higher response, they're not going to give it to you. And I think that's just how we're wired together. If I see that you're leading in a way that's incongruent with what you tell me is important to you, I'm not going to trust you. Mm. And if we were to survey a thousand people, and if we were to ask them, what's the most important attribute of a leader? What do you think it's going to be? It's going to be trust. Trust, for sure. If we see that we can't trust you, if we see that you're going to badmouth people, or you're going to talk about women in a way that's disrespectful, or POWs, or handicapped, that's not a way that's, that's congruent with our values of everybody has equal rights in the United States, that all people deserve to be heard. That's incongruent. And, and that's something that, that causes people to rise up and say, I'm not going to stand for this anymore. I'm turning my notice in. I'm going somewhere else. And so I think it's a simple concept. It's not easy because we're emotional animals. But I think if a manager is self-aware and if they step back, and if they ask themselves, how can we have so much turnover? How come people are leaving? Well, start at the top. The CEO needs to get an executive coach. I'm not an executive coach. I don't do that. But I know that there's a lot of good people out there that get right in the face of high-level executives and really guide them on some of these things. That's where it all starts. Like you mentioned before, it all starts at the top. Yeah, no, I and I love the fact that you use the story to back that up, and I, that's why I wanted to share because throughout the book, when you're using stories, it allows people to locate themselves within those stories, right? So, and if anyone right. can see themselves in that and and understand that, okay, so this is actually not just something that um, you know, and anyone that Scott is writing, this is a real life tried and tested thing, uh, you know, and and it's great, it's great that you said that. Blog posts that you write, though, we're going to get ready to go to uh, more um, personal things here. But the blog post that you wrote as we uh, continue with employees, you said, my favorite one was three questions to get employees to work harder. How did you come up with those three questions? Well, I think one of it was looking at what motivates people to respond. Mm. And let me pull that up in my book right here. Yeah, no, I thought it was really interesting is because I remember going through your your book when you were talking about it. You, you know, the first question was, what can I do to help you reach your goals? Oh, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. That's right. Yeah, and yeah. What do you think is best yeah. to, best way to do it? And then is there anything keeping you from accomplishing goals in your control? That's right. Because I think people want to have ownership. It's like my boy's 16 and he's a he's a professional model. I was telling you that before we started a professional model. And I and I could tell him. Don't do anything stupid 
because it's not good for you and it could kill your modeling career. But if I told him that, that's his old man telling him. So I'll ask him, I'll say, Dax, what do you think would happen if you did such and such and you got caught? Because he ever knows if he ever does something stupid, he's spending the night in jail. His old man's not going to bail him out. There's the consequence for actions. <laughs> you know, that's just the way it is. And, and so I'll ask him, what do you think? What do you think would be the consequence? Well, he'll tell me. It's his idea. If I tell him, it's the whole, it's his old man telling him what to do. If he comes up with the answers, he owns it. So I think a manager looking at their people, what is it that I can do to help you do your job more effectively? Is there anything you need from me? Uh, the other question that I talked about, how do you think we should do this? Here's a problem. They come to you. Ask them, what do you think we should do? And I think when you get, and this goes back to what we talked about before, everybody wants to feel like they're in control. So we're giving them control. Now, obviously, they have to have competence, and we don't want to, you know, what do you think we should do? I think we should have a circus in the parking lot. No, no, no. Uh, you got to have some reins within a, a realistic sense of what the organization's trying to do. But you give people control by asking them questions. Okay. Yeah. And questions, giving people control by asking questions. And and obviously some things that you ask as well is, is there anything keeping you from accomplishing this goal? And this coaching question helps identify the barriers. So if managers are trying to break through with employees and there's that disconnect is basically asking them so that they can tell you from their point of view what you may not have perceived initially. That's exactly right, because they have the data. They're closest to the problem. Okay. Okay. Well, there you go. I just, I know I, it was just, you know, something that I, <laughs> that I, I came across your blog and I, it really, really struck my attention. It was something that I, that I felt like Thanks. there might be uh, um, some benefit in having you explain. Um, that one of the last things I want to talk to you about before we, we head out is the importance of thought leadership today. Now, today's world, you have a lot of people like you and I, I, mean, I have a business partner, but a lot of what our businesses were formed based on our, our thought leadership. You know, and mm -hmm. and then as we go down to the gen generation Z, you find that people gravitate towards people they like. You know, YouTube stars and all these people that are people that have built their trust. What are steps that you can maybe lay down for someone who's looking to brand themselves as an expert in a particular industry, as you've done? I think it's to focus on solving problems that are critical for other people and to write about that. It's one thing to write about it. If somebody doesn't have the experiential base, you know, there, there's just not the status there. There's not the credibility. I think there's a concept called social proof. If enough people say you're a big deal, then you become a big deal. If enough people follow you, well, then you become more followable. And so I think solving big problems that add value to other people, writing about those, asking for testimonials, Getting video testimonials, that's huge. If you can get people on video to say, you solved our problem, we'd highly recommend you. That's a really good start. Mm, mm, mm. Video testimonials, social proof, also um, just putting out the content. You know, I think a lot of your content is going to be your best, um, your brand. <laughs> you know, so someone's, if you say something and someone looks at your bio and you say you're a workplace expert and they come to your website, and you don't have anything on workplace expertise, it doesn't communicate well or translate across because then That's right. what are they going to do? How does that add value to your credibility? How do they believe you? So I think that that also – That's exactly right, Tab. Yeah. Um, and uh, how do you juggle this as a father? And, you know, someone that – you said you just have a, you have a 16-year-old. How does that go into play with, you know, you being in demand all the time? 
I think it's uh, and, and I've got a five year old little girl, and oh, he's he's well, got never his mind. own. Career. You, you've yeah. got two. Okay, <laughs> how do you do? It's it's by saying no to a lot of opportunities that come my way because I used to do fifty paid speaking gigs a year, and I decided I don't want to do that anymore. So I changed my business model. I focus on doing partner level recruiting for law firms here in DC and New York. So I'm home at night on the on the evenings and. I'm able to do good work doing something I love. I still enjoy speaking. I don't speak more than once or twice a month. I really, I just don't to be a road warrior. So it's being able to focus my time in areas that I think have the most meaning. If I could, if I could say I want to do anything, I'd love to do a lot of speaking, but there's a price. That means you've got to be a road warrior. And I just don't want to do that right now. So I'm okay putting that on the, on the side, not on the side, but just not as much of a, of a priority. So I think it's looking at what's truly important to you, what fits within your core values, and then making adjustments accordingly, paring down too many distractions, and being very selective about where you spend your time and learning how to say no to things that might be interesting for you but not the best thing for you. So that's that's my answer. Just say no. Just say no. Remember why you got started. Just say no. And get focused and, you know, stay focused on that. I think uh, focus is a big thing. You know, if you want to be a thought leader and if you want to be someone that's helping people as a consultant, focus is going to be one of your best friends. In addition to self-awareness, but focus is, is going to be one of your best friends because a lot of the opportunities that you will generate, especially initially, will be, you know, self-directed and, you know, it'll be how you position right. yourself. So if you're positioning yourself as, as everything and your focus isn't where it needs to be, it will become really, really telling. Um, as you start to to get uh, clients and realize that maybe this isn't what you initially thought it was going to be. Absolutely right, Tayo. Yeah. Uh, well, so uh, as uh, um, I usually like to do rapid fire questions as as we uh, wrap sure. up. And normally I start off with like the favorite country, favorite place I've ever been to. Favorite country or favorite city? Oof. You know what? Let's start with country. <laughs> favorite country. I'd have to say United States. Actually, I don't know. The uh, Czech Republic is really cool. Czech Republic. I love okay. the Czech Republic. Okay, yeah. city dance. I'd say the Czech Republic. C- city Prague? <laughs> I love Prague. I love it. Uh, I love it. Uh, what's, your, what's the best thing about being a father? Uh, knowing that I'm making a difference for future generations. Mm-hmm. And uh, when did you realize that you were going to um, own your own business? I was probably... 22 years old, I just became a, a naval officer, and I realized this is good, but I want to I want to be self-employed. <laughs> it, it was kind of too late. I've still got a few years I've got to give, and that was the time I knew someday I'll be in business for myself. And I was 22. Yeah, number one skill that leaders can work on today: self-awareness, ah. being aware, and asking yourself how my actions impact the emotions. Of those around me. Gotcha. And the last question is the mission statement of everything that I do here. Use your difference to make a difference. That's my mission. Uh, and I, I always ask my guests this question. How do you use your difference to make a difference? Serve others. Focus on people that you can uplift. Like in Boy Scouts. Do a good turn daily. Yeah. That was a scout, this is the scout slogan. Yeah. yeah. Find, find something that benefits other people where it gives you no personal benefit. There's joy in there. And that really enriches your soul. Do a good thing daily. Wow. Yeah. That's yeah. it. Always showing up. Always showing up. I was a Boy Scout as well. And that's 
that's one of the first lessons that I learned. So um, always fellow, always glad to meet a fellow uh, Boy Scout. And that's awesome, Tyler. And I'm, I'm glad that it stayed in there. Well, so thank you for coming on the show. But before we let you go, I, I can't not give you an opportunity to talk about the book and where people can find it. Yeah, yeah. The book title, it's called Why They Follow, How to Lead with Positive Influence. Less than 20 bucks. You can find it on Amazon. <laughs> and uh, my website is scottlove.com. It's S-C-O-T-T-L-O-V-E.com. If you click on the link that says books, you can find it that way. And it's, uh, it's an easy read. Yeah, scottlove.com. It will be on the, on the show notes. And his book is on his website. It's on Amazon. And, um, you know, it's been a true pleasure. I think the key takeaways that we've gotten here are, you know, awareness, remember who you serve, have a mission. And I love that you came on to talk about why that that's really important, especially in the workplace, considering that we spend most of our lives in the workplace. So absolutely right. Uh, I want to thank you for coming on the show and making the time Monday, Friday morning. Oh, the pleasure is all mine, Tyler. I look forward to talking with you again, my friend. I look forward to it. And until next week, ladies and gentlemen, use your difference to make a difference. You've just been listening to the As Told by Nomads podcast. For more ways to reach out to Tayo and to use your difference to make a difference, head over to www.tayoroxon.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, Hello Fresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.